girls, children of all ages, just like the ringmaster in the circus used to say, right, with the top hat and the whole thing and the tails. It's your boy, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you below the roof. It's a rainy roof today, in fact, here uh, on Long Island, but below the roof, above the second floor, every single Friday morning, you'll find me in my attic. In fact, all the time you'll find me in my attic because that's where I am all the time these days. It's uh, a year and a half in the attic. So uh, it's always nice to have visitors in the attic. And Dr. James Powell is here. So thanks for visiting, James. We'll uh, we'll jump into the conversation a bit. But it gets lonely here. In the, I'm so lonely sometimes. No, I'm not going to sing, gang. It gets lonely here in the attic. And I always love bringing my friends in the nonprofit sector. I've told you this for 26, 27 episodes, 26, 27 Fridays in a row that I believe that the nonprofit sector makes incredible impacts every day. I've gotten, I've gotten silly about it, and I say every second of every minute of every hour of every day, but I believe that's true. And I, the challenge for me is I don't believe that the nonprofit sector gets the light shown on it that it deserves, okay? There's social services organizations. There's charitable organizations. These organizations, I say this, who does the work if the nonprofit sector doesn't? I don't think the work gets done. And this is what I'm passionate about. So I believe that amplifying the message for nonprofit organizations is my mission. It's my personal mission. So every Friday, I, I would ask for you to join me uh, here in the attic or on talkradio.nyc or on Facebook, Talking Alternative Broadcasting, so you can see what we're doing live. If you're watching us or listening in on the Facebook, by all means, uh, drop us a note, drop us a question. We'll uh, we'll try to address that during the show today. And then after the fact, our shows will appear on, uh, my show will be uh, on all your podcast platforms. So you can check it out after the fact. So um, really without further ado, what I want to do is I'm going to read a bit of uh, background on my guest today. Uh, I, I've learned something in the last few weeks and it's listening to other shows and other podcasts and you know, and, and I do a lot of networking, you know, I'm the nonprofit sector connector, right? So I do a lot of networking and reading someone's long bio is not, I think, the best way for to have that story told. I think it's best told from that person. So I'm going to do a little bit of basic stuff for Dr. Powell, and then I'm going to have him really tell us the story. You know how this segment works? You know, we, we talk about the, uh, the leader, the nonprofit leader, what their background is, how they got involved in the sector, what, what some of their interests are in the sector, what's really what they're passionate about. We go into the programs that the organization is running. And then as always, as my favorite is, how can you all who are listening, how can we all help through our relationships? How can we help these organizations? What do they need? Board members, uh, volunteers, different things like that. More to come on the volunteer side, hashtag 60 days of service. I've decided if you haven't heard it yet between now it's July 9th. I've done one of 60, so 59 days of service to go. I got one coming up tomorrow at the Book Fair is out on Long Island. Uh, next week, it's the Allied Foundation. I'm going to be working with Heather Edwards. Both of those organizations have been on the show. I've been working with Heather, um, putting pallets of diapers together. So my kids are out of diapers, but I'm going to be surrounded by diapers <laughs> next Thursday. And I'll uh, record and take some photos of that because I'm really trying to drive home the importance of service for, for you all. And um you know, it's not about me. Wow, look at Tommy D doing 60 days of service. It's like, wow, what could I do? What could what could be the impact for me getting involved with service? So 60 days of service, we'll talk about volunteers, but back to what I was saying there, you know, what does the organization need? Maybe it's donors, maybe it's volunteers. We'll get into that later today. So I'm going to read a little basic information here if I can. And then Jim, I'd like you to really take it away of your background. So uh, before I even read this, I haven't done this yet. We're four minutes into the show. I like to do two things at this point. I like to say, welcome to the show and welcome to the attic. Jim Powell, how are you? Well, great. It's a pleasure to join you and Tropical Storm Elsa on this uh, wonderful Friday. So uh, thanks for yeah. allowing me to join you guys. Yeah, I appreciate it, man. Listen, let it go. Let it go, Elsa, because Elsa put two inches of water in our basement that, that we got to go deal with after the show today. So my wife's down there with the broom and, and four kids trying to figure out that whole thing. So, um, you know, my, my daughter loves Frozen and, uh, you know, she was excited about Elsa coming to visit. But, you know, it's a little messy down there right now. So, <laughs> so I'm glad you're here. So I'm going to just kind of read directly off of uh, off of the website, which is LISHcare.org. Long Island Select Healthcare is the organization. Dr. James Powell Jr. is chief executive officer for LISH. Dr. Powell is board certified internist as well as medical doctor for both DDI and UCP of Suffolk. So those are organizations involved in the IDD space, which I know we'll dive into today. He's been a member of Options for Community Living, in, Options for Community Living's Incident Review Committee. Uh, Yolanda Rabano Gross was on the show about a month and a half ago. So we're, listen, we got a lot of friends in common, that's for sure. 
Um, and he's been on that committee since 2012, and he performs a critical role helping the organization review and monitor serious events and trends. He's also currently on the staff of Mather Memorial Hospital, St. Charles Hospital, and Peconic Bay uh, Medical Center. Uh, born and raised here on Long Island, I, I want to know where. I grew up in Franklin Square. I live in Glenhead now, but um, I'd love to know where you're from. Attended Binghamton and made it back to uh, to Strong Island. Fan of the Metsies like your buddy is and uh, and and has uh, has a wonderful family here as well. So, Jim, why don't you kind of tell us the real story? You know, we, we all put these beautiful bios together and they're appropriate because we, we need to have them. But how do we get to know who you are and, and what drew you to the service work in the sector that, that, that you're involved with? Uh, well, thanks. I guess I'll start with my my trip back to New York, starting private practice in the early 2000s, seems like a long time ago. And I was a wonderful, wonderful practice, private practice. And at the end of that three-year period, I was up for partnership. And I wanted to see what else was available. So I, I fell into a job by dumb luck, becoming the medical director of DDI at that point in time. They had health centers that provided services um, uh, throughout Long Island. And I thought I knew about patients with intellectual and development disabilities. I thought I, I knew about people who had obstacles to, to take care of, but you realize how little you know until you're really you know, thrown in this. And one of the things that was really exciting is I love patient care. It's really one of my, I call it my fifth child. I love, I love taking care of patients. Um, but the opportunity to take care of people and teach and train and have more of an impact you know, became really more the fire to kind of get things going. And what I tell people is one of the first aha moments for me was probably about three months into treating a patient with autism, young man, 21 years old, um, came into the office for ear pain, nonverbal, unable to communicate and tell us what's going on. So, you know, I went in there with my metal autoscope, but I said, oh, let me just take a look at your ear. And he hauled off and hit me in the side of the head. This is an adult. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. It hit me. Great shot. Really nice shot. (laughs) So, and I, I, I was happy that I didn't fall on my, my, uh, down. I was still on my feet. But that was my little aha moment. Like, you know, he did the right thing. Yeah, he you know, felt packed, right? Right. He, he, he was, he's got ear pain. I'm going to shove this metal instrument in his ear where he's already in pain. So it was at that point that I said, well, how do I look at the way I deliver care, the way I look at care, the way I look at the people who need care and kind of revamp my thought processes and, and revamp the way I was trained and, and help train others to do that type of stuff. So I got heavily involved in trying to figure out who the experts were in the field. And as you can imagine, in the IDD world, there really are no experts. There's people who have experience. So I quickly had to become an expert or at least more knowledgeable in the field you know, through experience. I uh, got very involved with uh, an organization called the American Academy of Developmental Medicine Dentistry, uh, which is national group. So I was on their board. I've done a lot of lectures. I decided to lecture on things I didn't really know about because I figured by the time I did the presentation, it would give me the experience and the knowledge to, to talk about issues related to individuals with intellectual and development disabilities. So that was kind of the, the way things kind of morphed for me and, and you know, real love where I was going to do this position maybe for three years until my restrictive covenant uh, was up in my private practice and go back in and, and tackle the, uh, the private practice world. But, you know, I right. fell in love with the nonprofit world. I fell in love with the idea of doing more than just treating a patient. Uh, looking what does that mean? More holistic. Yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, holistic. But what, you know, what does it mean still doing more than just treating a patient? You know, I, I find a lot of my nonprofit friends, um, you know, I, in a vacuum, most people don't go into nonprofit work to get rich, period. Like that's, in, again, that's just a blanket statement that I'll make. And, that's not, I didn't get that out of the journal, everybody. That's something I said. So, you know, if you're going to check my, my stats, that's just the Tommy D thing, you know, but it's, I think it's true in a, in a lot of cases, but I, I, in, in hearing what you're saying, I feel you're drawn to this work because you're making more of an impact, quote unquote, maybe than just serving patients. Not that that's not an admirable profession, but you're making more of an impact. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. You know, we never you know, most training, whether whatever field you go into, it's not an integrative approach to, to care. And so, you know, as we morphed into our new organization, Long Island Select Healthcare, we really changed our thought process about really thinking about wellness so that no matter who comes into my office or into our centers that we're conscious of their, their financial, their social, their medical and their behavioral wellness, and they're all integrated, they're all connected. And, and just because I give someone a blood pressure pill, I'm not 
fixing a problem, I'm putting a Band-Aid on the wound, and I may not have paid attention to, to what the cause of all this is. Um, you know, can, you. They, can, they, uh, they, can they pay their bills? Do they have access to the care? Do they feel safe? You know, what are the other obstacles? Who's, who's the caregiver that supports them? So we, we've had to luckily reevaluate re how we deliver care, uh, which has opened up our eyes to, to other opportunities and how we create partnerships and look for growth models for us to really change the needle for quality. Yeah, thank you for all that. And I, I just like waving my arms. If you're listening, I was like excited what, what Jim was saying there because look, I, I, I'm not a medical professional. I, I didn't stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night, so I'm not gonna fake that I'm a medical professional. But the thing is, um, I, I'm, I'm well, and this could get me in trouble, but I, I'm, I'm not always keen on the fact how, how things are done, where we just, as you say, kind of put a bandit, I use that term all the time, but how we don't really address the underlying uh, problems or dis-ease in our bodies, but we just put these band-aids or these pills or whatever it is to make the symptoms go away while our body might be sane. And, and I know you're speaking holistically, not just about the body, but holistically about that person's whole environment. And I appreciate that. And there was a picture I pulled off of off the website that I'll talk about in a second, but um, it, it, it's that sort of, you can correct me if I'm wrong here, Jim, but you know, that sort of that holistic, that Eastern medicine look at things versus just that Western medicine, traditional Western medicine, where we either remove a piece of the body or we, or we, you know, put a pill in there, you know? Yeah, you, you have to, you have to be willing to, to constantly change and grow and, and challenge yourself. And I, I think that, you know, for physicians and healthcare providers, we, you know, we have blinders on because there's barely enough time to learn the medicine and learn your field. And yet at the same time, now I'm asking you to be involved with looking at variables that you never even considered or even trained in, in understanding. Yeah. So it's, it's scary sometimes for us to say, we don't know what to do, or we don't know how to help, or we don't have the answers. But it's also exciting to figure out how I, maybe I can get someone to, to, to the right solution or, or identify a problem that was not there or understood before. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you open up my eyes even in just that brief answer there because, you know, I can get up on my high horse and my soapbox, you know, because I didn't go to medical school and I can just kind of say things, right? Like I, I, I go, this is my show. I can say whatever I want, like, but like kind of is, but it's, <laughs> <laughs> but I can say those comments, but then you open my eyes to be more thoughtful about that conversation and say, yeah, I, you know, medical professionals learn so much on the medicine side. It's, and you, to your point, you can't maybe can't always fit in the extra expertise and exposure, not to mention, you know, involvement of whatever malpractice and, and on and on that, that can be involved with, with you know, um, you know, the, and the cost of medicine and things of that nature. But, um, you know, I find that all an interesting dialogue to have where we can continue to evolve and continue to grow and continue to learn as, as those in your field and those of us who are, are really just the, uh, the customers and clients of that. So um, where we, be, I, I told you this last night, we spoke, Jim, this, our breaks are going to go quick. Our, the show is going to go quick. And before we know it, I'm going to be like, will you please come back on, a, on another show? <laughs> because there's so much more to talk about. So that kind of is my way to say, we're about to take a quick break. When we come back, what I really want to talk about is I want to understand what was the catalyst that these other organizations said, and you involved obviously in, in, in this formation of this group. And I'll, I'll read something quick when we come back about Lish, but I want to talk about how that happened. What were those dialogues and who said, you know what? We actually need this integrated center separate and apart from our organizations to handle the, the needs of, of clients. So if we could talk about that when you come back, does that sound good? That's great. All right, good. It is Tommy D, your boy, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you. I love when I say that. Coming at you from the top of the house in the attic, having a good time on a rainy day. Jim Powell's here from Lish. We'll be back in two minutes. Stay with us. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 5, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you interested in having a better relationship with yourself, others, and God? Greetings. 
I'm your host, Dr. George Andow, for the show, A Journey Through Into Awareness. On my show, we journey into the awareness that the mind of God is the true seat of our personal consciousness. We join together each Monday at 7 p.m., so tune in on Talk Radio NYC. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. That's my uh, that's my call to action. Cut through the static. Join me in the attic every Friday morning, where philanthropy and focus goes live, and we amplify the message for nonprofit organizations. I love, I freaking love. My wife told me to stop saying freaking on the show. I freaking love this sector. It doesn't, you know, the changes in the world don't happen. I mean, even in just in that first segment, Jim saying how as an individual he he committed himself to learn and change and evolve and and now is so committed to the nonprofit sector specifically we're going to talk a bit about IDP I know that coming up soon so Long Island Select Healthcare was founded whoops I skipped my there it is um in 2014 Long Island Select Healthcare was founded by three agencies three other nonprofits DDI known as Developmental Disabilities Institute free Family Residence and Essential Enterprises, Robert Budd. Hello, Robert. Robert's on the show a couple months back. Uh, and United Cerebral Palsy of Greater Suffolk. Th- these three organizations came together and said, we need to form this other organization. On the first day of operations, they started providing low-income medical services in Long Island, New York. That's my hometown. And as well as to the surrounding area um, on August 22nd, 2016. Jim Powell is here, Dr. James Powell, but we call him here on the show, Jim, because that's what he told me I could call him. So, Jim, what what I, I said in the first segment, what was this, what happened? What was the catalyst? Where did you know you were involved with these other organizations? Where did you guys kind of get together or how did you get together and say, we actually need to do a separate thing here? There needs to be a separate entity, a separate agency. How, how did that all happen? Because that's super interesting for me as other organizations evolve and grow and ebb and flow. We were. Um... It's a credit to the board and executive directors of the agencies to kind of get this up and running, which was a long undertaking, you know, 2014 to 2016 to actually see the first patient. So we had three health centers that were actively working. So we closed the doors on the Friday. We opened them on Monday under the new organization. But the reason for it had to do with the funding and support and and longevity that the state has programs in place, what's called Article 28s, that they give uh, enhanced dollars for those with with disabilities and those with Medicaid, but it's not as consistent and reliable as, as the federal government. And the federal government has federally qualified health centers. And so we came under the umbrella of, of Sun uh, River Health, which is now uh, runs all the county clinics and we're what's called a subrecipient. And a federally qualified health center, there's actually 1400 in the country and 26 million people actually receive care from a federally qualified health center. So what that means is let now- me Let me stop you one second. Sure. 1,400 FQHCs, federally qualified health centers across the country. What was the number on, on of people that are served by these communities? One in 12 in the country and about 26, 27 million people are served uh, through health centers like ours that are federally qualified health centers. Now they okay. could be in a rural area, they could be inner city, they could be on uh, um, migrant farms, they could be all over, but it, it's pretty significant. And what's What's really nice about the structure of these health centers is that there's accountability. So we actually have to report our data on what our blood pressure scores are or or diabetic scores are to to the federal government. So there's oversight. So there's quality built into the way 
a federally qualified health center runs. So in terms of you know longevity, in terms of quality, in terms of, of ability to really meet the patient's need in our community, uh, really ended up being a no-brainer. It just took time for it all to come together. And what what was uh what's a challenge like when you do that and you go from three organizations into one or not not go into but have these three I don't know the right terminology so correct me as I as I trip over my words but are they was Lish sponsored by the the other three organizations to and, and did some of the board members move over or is it a brand new board like what did that look like. Yeah, it's a good question. So the uh, it was a formation of a whole brand new board. We were fortunate enough to have um, the Robert Buzz, the John Lassards, um, the Steph Friedmans from the legacy agencies uh, join the board as well as bring on other members in the community, which was great to help kind of get things going. So our own tax ID number, our own board, but coming together as a new organization, when you have three different mindsets of how things are supposed to be done, whether they're right or wrong, it is definitely a, a learning experience about blending culture. Sure. Even though we may be treating the same patient population and have a lot of the similarities in our day-to-day function, uh, treating a new patient population and responding to different rules and regulations to the federal government uh, creates some interesting dynamics and in, uh, in change management. Yeah, I'm sure it does. Yeah, um, I, it, but it, exciting. At, at you know, listen. Um, like I say, these organizations I know make incredible impact, but I think there's also, we realize as, as individuals and organizations that we have limitations in our own environment and it's, it's enhancing and creating something new that makes that. And yeah, there's going to be bumps and bruises. A friend of mine, Ginger Johnson told me something recently and it came up for me while you're speaking there. Um, we don't really want to hang out with people who call me while I'm doing my podcast. We don't really want to hang out with people like that. Uh, we don't want to hang out with people who are like-minded. Mm-hmm. We want to hang out with people who are like-valued. And that was sort of a, I love to learn these things, you know, and I keep learning because like-minded means a bunch of yes men and yes women around us. We're all going to say the same thing and we're going to get excited because we're all saying the same thing. But but where's the growth there? You know, so like that was coming up for me when you, you mentioned, you know, how change management, the dynamic of, of having all these different organizations. Yeah. What, what, what is the, what's the user experience feel like? Because I was, I drew a quick picture of, this is something I pulled off your website. It's got like a, I drew a stick figure, but it's got like a picture of a person and then it's hospital labs, patient imaging, physician therapy, holistic again. Um, what, what does that feel like to somebody who comes to visit one of the centers, one of the locations? I think it starts with the understanding of what we're capable of doing, you know, how many services we can provide. So for example, we have about 16 different services. So it could be medical, dental, PTOT, speech, um, allergy, dermatology, there's a significant amount of services. And one of the things that we, we are very clear about is regardless of your ability to pay, we will see you. So there's sliding scales based on poverty levels. Uh, Medicaid is our most common insurance that we accept. Uh, Medicare, you know, a lot of the, the Medicaid HMOs. So it's a, it's a welcoming environment that regardless of your ability to pay or your insurance, you're going to get the same care. Now, there may be some different rules in terms of prioritizations and where you're allowed to go for services outside our center, but we try to keep everyone the same so they feel welcomed and embraced regardless of language or immigration status, et cetera. So I think that's the first piece that we, we do. And then we try to pay attention to, you know, where what I call the triangle of care, where you have the patient, you have the provider, and then you have the caregiver and who supports them. So it could be a husband, it could be a wife, it could be a, a, an agency like a DDI or a UCP or free, or it could be some other shelter or church group. But if we're conscious of who the players are that help provide the care and facilitate care, outcomes can be a little bit better because you're conscious of where the needs are and who the facilitators or obstacles are and in providing services. So that's, that's kind of our, our foundation. And then it's also about bringing the care that each individual needs. And I think the pandemic has brought this to light more about that there's no one size fits all. So we really pay attention to patients in different buckets, meaning that we have our IDD bucket, we have our OMH bucket, which is um, 
is, is there. We have our, our community-based patients, and we're also just, very just conscious. Of, if we could just underscore that for our Office of Mental Health, okay? This we, yes, we, I'm sorry. Yes. Oh, it's Thank not you. your fault. We, when we live in these worlds, we just say these things. Right. Yep. right. If yep. I don't say 100 acronyms a day, I can't go to sleep. So I have to. We all do it. That jargon yeah. has happened. So I'm always like, I try to just underscore it so we, people, they're not Googling it. So they're paying attention to us talk because I'm, as I'm babbling, they can Google it right now. All major Office of Mental Health. <laughs> So you have the IDD, Intellectual Developmentally Disabled Bucket, OMH, and, and was there another? or, or Yeah, so the, and then just community-based patients, but and also substance use disorder patients, which is also a smaller subset, but a really you know large need-based patient population. So if we can think about all our patients and the care and the models of care which we deliver, and then it's also you know what someone needs, because you have everything from telephone to video to, to brick-and-mortar structure to chronic care management, it's a continuum of care. And we want to really think about more quality touches as opposed to, to frequency of services. That's not, you know, healthcare is not supposed to be transactional, although it is. It's supposed to be value-based and, and you should have value-based propositions or value-based opportunities to really get to someone. You know, I used to think that I was, a, and I still think I'm a good doctor, but I used to like, you know, they're listening to my advice, boom, boom, boom. But the reality is, is 30% of what I say is really retained. So I could tell you about your, your blood sugars and your, your, your salt levels and, and, and what we need to do and exercise. And then when you come back in three months, you've forgotten 70% of what I said. And that's three months have gone by. But if I could have someone reach out to you in a couple of weeks and then follow up in a month, it doesn't have to be me. Right. No, somebody on, on the team, somebody on the on, right. yeah, yeah. team-based you know, care is really where it should be. It's not supposed to be a funnel where everything goes through the funnel. Uh, really more of a spaghetti strainer type of approach where your knowledge and information just flows through that everyone can have access to it. And I don't have to be in charge of it, but I have to just be on the team and, and help facilitate that. I love that. Yeah. So uh, you're still, as the CEO, you're still seeing patients. I know that for a fact, because last night we, you were running late for a call for you and me because you were with the patient. So that's, as the CEO, you're still clinical. Yeah, as I was saying earlier, it's like my fifth trial seeing patients. So I, I love it. I don't think I'll ever give it up. And and right. it, it gives you an opportunity to to stay grounded, you know, to it's wonderful to be involved with the vision and the growth of where the organization's going, but to get your hands dirty, so to speak, 100%. in the clinical world, it, it's it's still exciting. Of course, yeah. And, and um you, you got into it for patient care, not to be an executive, right? <laughs> that's how you started right. doing this thing, right? Um I love that whole triangle of care. I think that's great. Um, when we come back, we're going to take another break, everybody. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the, the kind of the user experience, what it's like to be a patient. I mean, uh, and I, I would love to know, you know, if appropriate, how do you collaborate um, with the larger health systems? Is you know, you know, obviously being here on Long Island, we you know we know Northwell is the big one, and is there a collaboration there? Um, and then really. I definitely want to talk, as, as I said to you last night and earlier on the show now, is talk about the growth of the organization. You mentioned growth, too. You said you, one of the things you guys talk about as a team and think about is, is grow, growing the organization. So um, I want to know what you mean by growth. Like, does that mean more patience? Does it mean growth in, in employee population? Things like that. So um, when we come back, we'll talk about growth, future of the organization, a little bit more about what Jim and his team at Long Island Select Health Care provide. It's Tommy D. Philanthropy and Focus. We'll be back in uh, just about two minutes. I'll see you guys soon. Do you feel uninformed about menopause and how it impacts on your life? Hi, I'm Pat Duckworth, women's health strategist and host of the Hot Women Rock radio show, empowering women leaders at menopause. Join me every Thursday at 10 a.m. Eastern time, 3 p.m. UK time on talkradio.nyc for interviews with inspirational women who will share their top tips to rock your world. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy and Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. 
While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Do you run or are ready to open your own business? Hi, I'm Jeremiah Fox. I've been operating and opening small business for the last 25 years, and I'm the host of the new show, The Entrepreneurial Web. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern time for insights and stories on the nuances of running small business right here on Fridays at noon, talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. I'm speaking and I'm on mute, uh, so I'm not on mute anymore. Thank you, uh, Dr. Powell, I was saying, for bopping around the my theme song. I sometimes ask my guest to sing the theme song. I will not put you on the spot. You tell me next, you, you know, if you're up for it one time. I'll try I'm, my, my breakdancing the next time. Yeah, <laughs> I'd love, love to have it break. You know, I was on a call with Yolanda uh, and, and some of her team over at Options, Options for Community Living, a couple weeks ago, and it was like a business meeting. I get on a call. And she goes, I miss being in the attic and I miss your song. So like I start the business meeting, like <laughs> singing my theme song. Like that's this is what it's like hanging out with Tommy D, guys. Um, all right. Long Island Select Healthcare provides services to all those in need of medical services, regardless of their ability to pay. We just talked a little bit about that in the last segment. But a large portion of their patients, as we've been playing around with, are uh, a large portion of the 6,000 patients include those with intellectual developmental disabilities, uh, behavioral health issues as well. So, um, I set up a lot in the last segment for us to talk about, but um, talk to me more. If it, you know, I, I kind of threw this out there. How does an organization like yours, who's serving six thousand patients, how do you engage, if that's even the right way to say it? You know, kind of with the, the larger health systems. I mean, I, I read earlier. You know, you're with Mather. You're, you personally in St. Charles, Peconic, the whole thing. Um, can you talk a little bit about those relationships and how they're, you know, there's advantages and benefits to that? Sure. So uh, actually, we've uh, even grown. We're, we're over seven thousand. So I have to update our, our website, I guess. I'll I uh, screwed up the numbers. My bad. <laughs> but no, thanks. Yeah. So you know, growth relationships are really tied together. And, and one of the things that we try to figure out is how do we assess the, our needs, and then figure out how to get involved with partners who can help us with those needs. And so one of the really exciting programs that we have right now is is actually with a company called uh, Ambulance. And for those around Long Island, you may see these teal blue ambulances. Yes, driving yes, around. yes, I have. And so last year we set up a program where we realized that because of the pandemic and the lockdown issues and concerns, we wanted to deploy those those team members, the paramedics to the houses to do rapid COVID testing, to do flu shots for us, to really provide care at home, to kind of rethink the hybrid model of care that what can be done you know, virtually, what can be done uh, deliverable and what can be done on site. And it's morphed to the point now, what we do is actually we, we supply them with uh, telemedicine and virtual care equipment. So it's Bluetooth enabled technology where they go to the house. So instead of a patient calling uh, 911 and going to the hospital and urgent care center, they call our special number. We deploy the ambulance team to the house and then we can you know, listen to them, diagnose their pneumonias, their, their rashes, their infections, and then actually give first dose of antibiotics, IV fluids, and actually even avoid going to the hospital so that people only go to the hospital when they need to go to the hospital. Sure. And that program has been really going very, very well for us. We're very excited about that. And uh, it's, it's, the relationship is, is blossomed, you know, such that we're actually going to honor them at our five-year anniversary coming up uh, this October because of the great work that they're doing. Because as you know, in, in the nonprofit world, it's, it's purpose and profit. You know, we can't yep. just survive on purpose and you can't just survive on profit. You have to have that blend of purpose and profit. And so to have an organization, you know, working with us to see the needs of where our patients are and, and how important 
the work is and, and how we can really make an impact and to get back to that value-based opportunity that we talked about a little bit earlier is really a win-win. And then we hope that we can morph that into the other organizations like your Stony Brook City Northwells that we really are you know, a lot more integrated. So people aren't just going to ER for something. Uh, we, we really are conscious of, of, of the relationship of, of the discharge and the appropriate admissions. So now you mentioned ambulance, and then they're, they're a for-profit entity that you're, you have an, a relationship, right? Like with, with right. them. Okay. So mm-hmm. yeah, so if you're listening out there, you know, I talk about this all the time. I talk about that. Where does the nonprofit sector and the for-profit sector meet? Where are those strategic alliances? This is the type of stuff we're talking about. You know, a couple, uh, actually it was our last in-person nonprofit executive leadership roundtable, And it was, <laughs> it was at Options for Community Living in that, that big old boardroom where they got like 35 seats. And I love that boardroom because they could put a lot of people in there. Okay. And uh, yeah, they hosted us there. And um Ken Serini, my buddy Serini and Associates, the Long Island Imagine Awards, New York City Imagine Awards, had spoke at that event and we recorded it. So reach out to me, Tommy D, um, Tommy D at Philanthropy and Focus, PHOCUS.com, if you want access to that video. It was all about strategic alliances, strategic partnerships with between organization to organization, between business to organization, the whole thing. Uh, so we can, um, you know, I just remember that as a, as a good opportunity to, to share um, about that information because I think it's critical. It's critical for the, the, the sectors to get together, you know, and, and support each other. Um, you, I want to give you an opportunity because you mentioned it and I want to get to it anyway. You mentioned October. Um, is that a, is, dare I say, a, an in-person gala? Is that what you're talking about? Yes. Dr. Powell, is that what you're saying? Like people in a room together? Really? Very, very excited. Uh, um, have our event in October for an in-person. Uh, we're around 250 people, may go up to 275, depending on um, uh, what the feedback is. But it's been tremendous. We have a lot of people to support. You know, five years is a long time. Um, yeah. It took, took a, a while for us to, to get where we are today. We're very excited about where our growth is and, and all the partners and, uh, you know, hoping that, that many of those partners that we take care of uh, will continue to celebrate with us. So uh, Land's End and Save till October 7th. I should know that date off the top of my head and uh, Amy will yell at me if I got I, it wrong. I thought maybe she was there. I thought Amy was looking at you right now. Like, <laughs> well, it's, her birth, it's her birthday. We gave her, you know, the, the date Oh, of that's special. Oh, well, happy birthday, Amy. Thanks for making sure we set this whole thing off. I appreciate you. Happy uh-huh. birthday to you. You don't want me to sing. And if you do want me to sing, call me on my cell later. I'll sing. Uh, I, I wanted, if I can, just you, you talked about some of the partnerships and specifically in the nonprofit, the nonprofit partnerships. Please, yeah. and, and, you know, so with DDI and, and UCPs and IGHLs and the options, yeah. you know, one of the things that we've realized is the burden that they have on healthcare, meaning that, you know, if someone goes to the hospital, they have to transport that patient, you know, through their vans, um, that individual may miss date programs, they lose a billable uh, date, there, there's overtime, there's transportation costs. And so, what we've thought about when I talked about the triangle of care, that, that that caregiver may be the options, it may be DDI, it may be free, it may be UCP. So how do we help facilitate an understanding and awareness of how they can benefit from some of the relationships that we've done? So for that deployable model with ambulance, if I bring everything to their house, if I have the antibiotics delivered, I have the x-ray done on site, I have the team there, they don't have to leave the house, then they have to worry about you know schlepping them to my office yeah. in Central Islip or Riverhead or Hot Bog. And it's a staffing issue. It's a program issue. It's a, it, it makes a, it makes a big difference. So you know we're all in the nonprofit world, unfortunately, always dealing with our PL sheets and you know how we're going to pay our bills and where is the funding going to come from and what budget's going to be passed. It's just something that we unfortunately have to deal with. But if we can be more integrative in our approach, say, well, how can I help you and how can you help me? And then we could talk about you know more quality than everyone wins. the most important person actually is, you know, is the patients and the consumers that we support. I love all of what you're saying there because, you know, there's this, I think there's this thought pattern and certainly old school about, um, but we're fighting over the same dollars, but, but really, but like, really, is that, are we like, or can we be strategic and work together and, and look, we know you, we can as a sector, we know we can work together and be strategic. Uh, to do so. And and when I see these little ambulance things in, in my head now, I'm seeing them, you know, because I see them around my neighborhood sometimes. And um, it what I'm hearing, and I don't think you said it this way, I don't talk about this much on the show, but if you don't know, we we own a, an employee benefits agency, Vanguard Insurance Agency. We we sell group health insurance and ancillary benefits with a major focus in nonprofit sector. We've been doing that for over 22 years, everybody. Um, but uh, it, we talk, all talk about on our enrollment meetings around 
go to the urgent care first. Like, you know, if you're having chest pains, go to the ER. But if you're not, you know, if you go to the urgent care, I almost feel like what you're saying with this ambulance, it's, um, it's like an urgent care on wheels, right? Like it's showing up and, you know, can do, th- and then you're doing some sort of level of teledoc, you and your team from headquarters, so to speak. So you can, uh, you know, triage, if that's the right word, or, or get a lot of, uh, a lot accomplished without, to your point, free or DDI or options, getting their employees in the van, moving folks around. It's, it's game changing. That it's, I mean, so I see it as almost an urgent care on wheels and correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, maybe it doesn't have the, everything an urgent care has. Um, but also uh, it is, can you and, and your colleagues, and maybe you've done this already, really look at the numbers about that, you know, and the, the hard and soft cost of, uh, you know, ABC agencies not having their employee doing certain things and then still uh, having their consumer um, in different day programs, et cetera. And like all the stuff you're saying, how they're not getting pulled away and money dollars are not moving away from the agency or are not just salary dollars that the agency is not spending on that activity. Have you done any like studies or can you guys do that? Have you sort of tried to break that out? Yeah. So we, we've looking at data for uh, on multiple levels. So, you know, just a, a little bit of background data. So we're part of an accountable care organization. I was just going to say CO, but I said, you know what, let me use the, the words. Instead yeah, of right on. <laughs> um, so that's a, that's a Medicare shared, shared savings program. So we're involved with a couple different organizations similar to ours. And so our Medicare patients, we are conscious of their total spend of the dollars. And for 2020, our 2000 plus patients uh, went to the ER 1500 times in 2020. Now, the CMS um, came back and the government said the data showed that 72% of my patients went to the ER that should have been preventable. So that's 72% of the 1,500 patients. Okay. So that's, that's, just, that's huge in terms of the cost. I don't know the actual figure because our patients with disabilities go to the ER for variable reasons. But for argument's sake, we're talking at least $1,000 cost for someone to, to be visited. the emergency department. Yeah, right. yeah. So if we can prevent that ER visit and even the urgent care visit, because even urgent care visits are more expensive than a primary care office visit and minimize that, then it makes a difference. So, so we're looking at that, that, that data now. And then to your point about the agencies, we've had some conversations about how do we track that so that we can look at, you know, what are their spend, what is their transportation cost, their overtime cost, because <laughs> that'll help you know, facilitate the growth because we actually have to change the mindset People think they go to the ER and they're going to get everything. They may wait four or six hours, but they'll get their x-ray, they get the labs. And so it's a perception that care is is better or everything will be done. But this model actually is you're still getting the same services. And the benefit is they're really sick, which we have. We've sent people to ER from these services. So it gives us an opportunity to say, well, no, you're too sick. In fact, the visit you were alluding to yesterday, I sent that individual to the hospital. Um, you suspected pneumonia, not doing well, had abnormal vital signs, more appropriate to be in the emergency department. So we know where our, our, what our, our wheelhouse is. So, uh, but again, had that person yesterday presented differently and, and you don't need to send them to the ED, now I'm doing acronyms, the emergency department, then you, then you could, you, then you would, then you just, that changed the, the cost factor of that, that whole thing that changed yeah. the billable and all that involvement in the insurance, game changing stuff. Yeah. Um, what, believe it or not, we, we're going to take another quick break right now in a minute, guys. But what, when we come back, I really want to talk about, so we know the events coming up. Uh, we already shouted out Amy, happy birthday, but October 7th, you said, what was the name of the place? I wasn't from in Saville. What was the name? Uh, Land's End. Land's End in Saville. Um, and they could find out about that event with somebody wants to be a sponsor or somebody wants to attend the event right on the website. That'd be great. Yeah. The listcare.org. Listcare, L-I-S-C-H-care.org. Uh, or you can reach out to me and I'll get you hooked up with Amy and Jim and the team over there uh, as well. I want to make sure I'm at that event. We're going to take a quick break. We'll come back. Uh, we'll close out with a couple of things. We'll close out with kind of your big picture vision, Jim. Like where, how big can this thing get? Um, and how, do you, how can we help you? How can my people help you? I'm not saying I have all the answers, but I know people who do. And I'm, as I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm talking about data and, and how to break out these numbers and I'm, I'm a sales guy. So I'm thinking like, how do you, right? So how do we figure this out where this thing works? We've proved that it works. How do we bring that to other agencies? 
how do you bring that to the other acronyms around Long Island that would, would benefit and both parties benefit? And obviously the consumer benefits as a result of that, the consumer, the, their client, depending on what the agency calls it. Uh, it is Tommy D. Philanthropy and Focus is a show amplifying the message, amplifying the mission as well for nonprofits here from my attic. Jim is here with me, Dr. James Powell of Lish. Long Island Select Healthcare. We'll be back in two minutes. Thanks. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. Gateway to the Smokies. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Tuesday night from 6 p.m. to 7. Every episode is dedicated to memorable experiences in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park and surrounding areas. This show features experts and locals who will expound upon the richness of culture, history, and adventure that awaits you in the Smokies. Tune in every Tuesday from 6 p.m. to 7 on talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. Just waving hands, moving arms. Through all the static, one of my kids, one of my boys, he stopped calling me Tommy D, and every even my kids call me Tommy D, Jim. So that's a whole nother thing we can talk about. <laughs> but uh, one of my uh, until they my, get older, they start calling you other things. You know, they call they, me. Yeah. Well, now he calls me. You know, what he calls me now. He calls me Mister Static because okay. it says cut through all the static. Join Tommy in his attic. He goes Mister Static. He like you know. And then when he's yeah, when I'm, when when he's being disciplined and told he's not allowed to be on his device, he calls me other things that a six-year-old should not be calling his dad. But that's a whole other story. All right, support Tommy D. Just We're just riffing here. We're just having fun. Uh, Jim, this has been an incredible conversation with you. I, I joked before, but I will ask you uh, to come back. I would ask you to to like find ways where we might be able to do some stuff in the real world together because I see so many opportunities from from panel discussion opportunities to me just putting together a dozen nonprofit leaders in a room and you guys finding ways to, to collaborate, like, cause that's the stuff I, I live for. In fact, uh, shout out to my friend, um, a lot of shout outs today. Uh, Katie McGowan, founder, executive director, horse ability, um, threatening universe, threatening Katie with a good time. We're going to, uh, we're going to do an event out at the farm on SUNY old Westbury campus. So I'm going to bring together a whole bunch of nonprofit people. Uh, it's one of the places on this planet that I go to mellow out and calm down. And if you believe that Tommy D needs to calm down, that's the place you can find me chilling out because I do need to calm down, certainly sometimes. Uh, I want to make one other quick comment before we dive right back into our conversation here. I mentioned um, Robert Bud's been on the show with Free. All of the old episodes of my program, if you if you want to learn more about these other organizations, um, Robert was on the show. And after that, Yolanda was on the show the week later. Yolanda Rubano Gross from Office for Community Living. All this stuff can be found at talkradio.nyc. Just Google my show, not Google, but find my show on there, Philanthropy and Focus. Uh, obviously on podcast platforms as well, Philanthropy and Focus, Tommy Mesa. And you'll see all the other episodes of the show so you can know what's going on. I mentioned the Allied Foundation. I'll be there next week um, on Thursday. Um, and uh, 
there's a lot of, of great uh, content that you guys can plug into if you haven't listened to these episodes uh, on a week by week basis. So Jim, let's jump into it and kind of close with a couple things. These are a lot of big questions, so we can always do an email or you, you and I can have a call after this because these are big stuff and it'll give you something maybe uh, you may think about this after. But who do you want to meet? Who does the organization need to meet? Is it board members? Is it donors? Are there uh, vendor type relationships or other agencies? Like are there agencies? Like I, I won't bring up the one I just jotted in the chat there to you, but I know a number of agencies that specifically are in the IDD space that can benefit from knowing you, you and your organization. And I think they benefit uh, your, the organization and you benefit from knowing them. So that's what I call the win, win, win. So is there, um, I know I'm asking a lot of questions in, in one way, but who, like if you had kind of a wish list, who would you like to meet? What are you looking for? Well, no one ever turns down donors uh, in the nonprofit world. So uh, those are always welcome. Always. But I, I think for us is, is solidifying the partnerships um, in the community with a lot of the organizations. Meaning that, for example, we have a couple hundred thousand dollars of telemedicine equipment that we want to give out to patients and to agencies. So we have tablets with uh, uh, Wi-Fi access that we pay for cellular service. So we actually pay, and in fact, at one point we were paying $13,000 a month. Uh, now it's been down, uh, Verizon was nice enough to renegotiate the contract with us at, at $6,000 a month. But just because we wanted anyone who needed access to care, whether it was on-site or off-site, to have it. So we can give out free hundreds and hundreds of tablets with loaded with our information, you know, loaded with some, some of the partners that we have. So the pharmacy could be on the, the tablet that we've loaded up, uh, a vendor that we, we support. You know, this way, care can be brought to those individuals. So if there are organizations that have patients that need services, whether they're church groups or shelters, or and they want free technology, we'd, we'd be happy to, to meet them and, and help their help their patients or their consumers. Who are, who's their call point? Is I, I, I'm assuming we, we don't want them to call you. So who on your team is the right call point for that? Because I think people who are listening, you know, whether you're an association, a church, an organization, another nonprofit, um, who would they call, Jim? Is it go, just go to the website or can we give them a little bit more direction? Sure. No, I, I can. I, I think probably the best way would be uh, to start probably with with Amy. I think Amy is a great uh, facilitator of, of these programs for us, and I can uh, have Amy's email address and uh, contact numbers uh, up. And if you give me a second, I'm yeah, yeah. I, I was going to look for You know what I do? I shut my, I shut my outlook off during these meetings, so it's not ringing <laughs> and booming the whole time we're on here. So we, we, one of us will get Amy's information. Um, but, but, but Amy's phone number is six three one six five zero. Two one one one, and if you call Tay, give her a happy birthday wish. And, uh, <laughs> and wish well. so give it to me one more time. Read it to me. Six three one six three one six five zero two one one one. So if you have an organization or an association, and you have uh, uh, people with individual needs that can benefit from having a tablet to access the care that Lish is offering, reach out. Thank you for that, yeah. Jim. See, that's yeah. that's a, and, and you know, I will tell you something. I'd run these roundtables, and every single month when Amy comes to those meetings, she would always say, she would always let us know. We have COVID tests, excuse me, we have COVID vaccines available. We have COVID vaccines. And that's a great resource that, you know, especially originally when she started telling us that it was about, we have COVID vaccines available if you have IDD population. And as the months went by, she was like, we have COVID vaccines available, period. Like, and that was, what a great resource you guys are. Um, how about the future of, of this organization? How big do you, like, you know, from a visionary perspective, you know, you're serving 7,000 patients now. Is there a goal to serve 20, 25,000 patients annually? Do you have a number in your mind? Not a number as much as, as, a, as, as a growth model based on what our, our vision is and where we want to take the organization that in theory, you know, there's no reason why we couldn't provide services for Montauk to Manhattan yeah. in terms of, of access to care. We're, we're heavily involved in Suffolk County. We have a little bit of involvement in Nassau County. We have some great partnerships with other organizations that are very similar to us. They do great work. But to your point, Ariel, is I think that somehow we have to figure out how we partner with them together. And yeah. it may be formal or informal, uh, and maybe mergers, it may be some, but there, there has to be some sort of growth model that we're all like-minded organizations are, are actively involved in value-based propositions and quality metrics, patient safety, and then the a comprehensive approach to care. So, so that's kind of our, 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 our vision of really kind of expanding our outreach efforts and 
being a facilitator or being actively involved with it on a day-to-day basis. I, I want to be a part of that growth. And I don't say that because we're live on a show. I, I mean that, you know, and if it's, you know, I'm doing 60 days of services. I kind of alluded to earlier. I'll bring it up really quick before we close the show. But as a, for instance, my friend, Dr. Larry Grubler, second episode of the program, uh, CEO of TSINY, Transitional Services from New York, actually saw me in an earlier meeting this morning. Uh, they're, they're a mental health agency. They serve 4,000 individuals um, with mental health issues in the, in the boroughs. You know how, uh, like, here, here comes my arrogance, but you know how easy it is for me to make that introduction? Very. <laughs> like the three of us can just get on a meeting and you guys can discuss where that opportunity lies. Uh, Jim, this has been absolutely a pleasure. I am I'm, I'm excited to meet you in person. I'm excited to see you on October 7th. I'll talk awesome. with Amy's, find out other ways I can support the organization. I'm going to draw the show to a close. I just say thank you for being here before I close it up. Oh, thank you so much. If I, no, and the last thing is, is interns. I, and I know we talked about students. If students want to, to get some exposure to healthcare, um, I, we'd love to have people involved and, and train um, and, and so bring it in Got a bunch of colleges here on Long Island, right? Yeah. Cool. All right. So you heard it here first, folks. If you have additional questions for Jim, you can run them through me, Tommy D. Uh, what's my email? Tommy D at philanthropy and focus. You know, focus is spelled P H O C U S. Cause I grew up in the nineties. We used to say fat. Plus I like alliteration. I always say it's my favorite grammatical tool, but I think it's the only grammatical tool I actually know anymore. So philanthropy in focus, Tommy D at philanthropy and focus.com. Uh, you want to find me on Instagram, Tommy D NYC, Facebook, just Google my name, Tommy Demisa, D I M I S A and you know, LinkedIn and, and all this stuff. Hashtag 60 days of service. I am doing 60 days of service before the ball drops in times square. Before this year ends, I've done one. Number two is tomorrow at the book fairies. Number uh, three, four, and five are all next week. I'll share them with you. But follow hashtag 60 days service, LinkedIn, Facebook. Just reach out to me and I'll tell you about it. Um, next week on the show, Ron Anderson from Project Reclaim out of Minden, Louisiana will be on the show. Thank you very much, my friend Lissandra, for making that connection. I uh, gave you my contact info. What I'd like you to do now is stay tuned on the, on the station here for this uh, four block, four pack of great shows. I'll put mine in there as well. So you just experienced philanthropy and focus. Steve Fry. It's always Friday. He's shining up his shades. He's getting ready to go. He's the SMB guy. He's coming up next. Jeremiah Fox and then Joseph McElroy. Stay tuned. Talk radio down NYC. Jim Powell. Thanks for being here. Appreciate you, man. Um, appreciate it. Have a great Have a week. Day, everybody. Nonprofits need connections to move in good directions. So cut through all the static Join Tommy in his attic. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. Did you know that nearly one in five adults in the U.S. battles mental illness? Hi, my name is Albert Dabba. I'm the host of the show Extra Inning. Extra Innings, I discuss the topics of wellness, mental health, and the experience of surviving multiple suicides within my family. Listen live every Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern to Extra Innings for discussions with sports figures, artists, mental health professionals, and many others. That's Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Hi, I am Joseph Franklin McElroy, host of the new podcast, Wise Content Creates Wealth. It airs on talkradio.nyc every Friday afternoon from 1 p.m. to 2. They say content is king. Well, wise content rules the world. Every episode features tools and tips for content marketing and business people telling the wise content stories of that success. Tune in every Friday from 1 p.m. to 2 on talkradio.nyc. Do you love or are you intrigued about New York City and its neighborhoods? I'm Jeff Goodman, host of Rediscovering New York, a weekly show that showcases New York's history and its extraordinary neighborhoods. Every Tuesday live at 7 p.m., we focus on a particular neighborhood and explore its history, its vibe, its feel, and its energy. Tune in live every Tuesday at 7 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? 
Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Have you ever thought of reinventing yourself? Are you looking to create a new life's journey? Hi, I'm Kevin Barbro, host of Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 5, 8 p.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live to hear me and my guests from a variety of different backgrounds. As a former college coach and a current full-time actor and owner of multiple companies, my show is as eclectic as my life. That's Coffee Talk XL every Tuesday night, 8 p.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 